Hello and welcome back. We are reading Home Birth, not just for hippies, it's for the informed. This is a book written by Melody, me, and I am on chapter one. If you want to hear the introduction, go back to the first part of episode 11 where you can hear the introduction. All right, here we are, chapter one. It's, I titled it, I am pregnant, now what? Discovering you're pregnant is another, with another human being is one of those memories you will never forget, like your first love. For me, it was late June. I had just flown back to, from a funeral of a dear friend who had taken her life. I haven't had to deal with death much and never by suicide, so I thought the sad event explained why I wasn't feeling that great. That night, my husband and I went out for dinner, and we had been craving Japanese Kitchen, one of those restaurants where you sit with other couples and the chef prepares your food in front of you while entertaining everyone with a cool show of spinning knives, fast-cutting, and fabulous food. Halfway through the chef's performance, I had to excuse myself to go to the bathroom. I barely made it before the Mai Tai I was drinking came up. I went back to the table where my food was waiting and I immediately put it in the to-go box. When we arrived home, I was starving. Somehow, the freshly prepared food seemed completely unappealing, but those two-day-old fast food tacos in the back of the fridge looked wonderful. The next day, I told my best friend the events of the previous night. You're pregnant. Go test yourself now. No, I'm not, I said in denial. I'm just stressed out. A lot has happened over the last week. She insisted I go by a test and call her back, and I agreed. I came home with the three-pack kit. I really didn't think I was pregnant, so when that plus sign started glowing, as soon as my pee hit the stick, I freaked out. I grabbed another test and peed again and saw the same glowing plus sign. I called my friend back in tears. I am, I am. I have to call my husband. I'll call you back. I knew it, she exclaimed. Congratulations. I called my husband back in tears and still in the bathroom where I had taken the test and I couldn't stop staring at myself in the mirror, thinking my world as I knew it would never be the same. And let me pause right there. My daughter's 14 now. I forgot half of the stuff even happened. And um, I love reading this. And... I am no longer married to that person, and in 2020, that person who was my best friend will no longer talk to me. So things have changed. It's pretty crazy. Um, and my life was never the same, but in the best way. And I look back and I wonder, why did I cry? But I guess that was just the emotion I had. I, was, I had a really weird uh, feelings around pregnancy at that time. Um, I was 29 at that time. Now I'm 44, so things change. One day when my daughter was six months old, I was drying her off after a bath and we both happened to look in the same mirror. I thought back to that day six plus nine months before. If I only knew how great being a mom would be, I would have never been so scared back then. I had so many questions and fears. To answer and alleviate some of these, I read What to Expect When You're Expecting in My Early Pregnancy. This book should be titled Horrible Things That Can Happen to You But Probably Won't. That book scared the shit out of me. I didn't pet my cats, drink tap water for days after reading it. To me, it was a book that talks about all the bad things to expect or that can happen but most likely won't. Unless you put the bad thought in your head, it might because you expect it to happen. Personally, I didn't need all that useless information in my head and it put way too much stress on the months about to come. I soon went to the local university hospital to see about getting some type of prenatal care. When I was talking to the woman who helps fill out paperwork, I mentioned that I wanted to have a home birth. She disapproved. And this is in quotes. I can't believe you're going to do that. I know a lady who just had a baby and she pushed so hard she gave herself a brain aneurysm and died. 
I'm not sure what her point was because the lady who died during birth was in the hospital. Now, I was really scared. I didn't want to die and I didn't want to hurt my baby. In our society, we very rarely hear positive anything when it comes to birth. You really have to search for happy stories. My birth was one of those positive stories. The first hours of my daughter's life were peaceful and calm. It was the moment in time a new soul came into our home and changed our lives. Finding out you're pregnant is a big day for any woman. It's just the beginning of many choices you will have to make on behalf of the life inside of you. This is to remind you, you do have choices. All right, so that's super short. So we'll go on to chapter two. We'll see, I want to make these about, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes long. So we'll see how many chapters we get through to, for each episode. Okay, so chapter two, how is that coming out? I really did, I really needed to start thinking about how I was going to get that glowing plus sign out of my belly and into the world. When faced with this, most couples have an easy answer. I'm pregnant, so let's find a doctor and have this baby at the hospital. For me, it wasn't so simple. I wanted to explore what this whole thing could be about. Giving birth in a hospital means mother and baby lives are in the hands of an OBGYN, which by definition is a specialist in surgical problems associated with reproductive system, not natural labor. In a hospital, you are not simply a mother in labor, you are a patient with a problem and you're on the clock to get it done in a hospital routine and in a timely fashion. Mothers will have to fight to have a natural birth and chances are at one point or another during labor, a C-section will be put on the table as a possibility. Nurses and doctors make it sound totally normal. Typically a nurse I saw talking to a mother in labor, well, you're not dilating as fast as we would like and the baby's heart rate's dropping so we might need to do a abdominal rescue. This is a major surgery being recommended by someone most of us trust to almost every mother in labor. And unfortunately, one in three mothers in America hospitals agree, thinking this is a safer choice, not knowing the real side effects. I'm going to pause right there because C-sections are a major surgery, and we'll get into this later in my book, but um, I started researching how C-sections even came to place, and even the doctor that started Twilight Sleep, which we'll get into as well, he said C-sections were bad. But it got to a point where it became safer than pulling out the baby with forceps, vacuums, things like that. But God never intended for one in three women to be cut open. It, it takes everything out of what's natural. Like going through the vaginal canal squeezes out liquids out of the baby's lungs. It creates oxytocin, which is a love hormone for the mother and baby. It is... It is a beautiful thing God did for us. And it also creates a natural bonding for mother and baby. And I really think that's why so many mothers disconnect from their babies right away. Because with C-sections, you have to create that natural. You have to create it. You have to bring the skin on skin contact. You've got to create that oxytocin that you missed during natural birth. It is crucial to understand these things and not just think, oh, Oh, I can't do it. My body, you know, your body is made for it. I don't care how big your baby is. I don't care what they say about your pelvis. Your body was designed to have a baby if you are a woman. And only women can have babies, not men. I'm so sad we have to put that out there in 2022, but it's true. <laughs> oh, good Lord, help us. Okay, so where was I? Um, labor is a very vulnerable time 
for our families. Without the proper tools or positive support, we are left to feel surgery for birth is normal, safe, and the only option not to kill the baby. All patients mainly just have one goal. We want to do the right things for our babies. And I want to stop right there too because it's 2022. Tylenol. They're blaming Tylenol for autism right now when they give babies, what, three shots when they're born? Vitamin K, hepatitis B. Okay, two shots when they're born and then they stick the goop in their eyes. So three thing, three medical interventions they do to the baby right away. Not to mention this mother who's probably not even taken a Tylenol her whole pregnancy is now being given an epidural, which is a narcotic. Heavy, heavy, which is making the baby almost not be able to breathe for five minutes. And now they're trying to blame Tylenol. Give me a break. It's so ridiculous. I, I can't even handle like the headlines right now. I, I try really hard not to read them. And I digress. Okay, so giving birth at home means you are with your midwife. So let me say that too. You're not just at home birth winging it. You hire a midwife who is highly trained, who is certified, who has everything a hospital has. Pitocin, oxygen, everything. Who knows, hey, this woman's not going to be able to do this home birth. She needs to go get transported. You know? Like, people think you're just at home like a like a hippie. And some women do do it like that, and they have great births. But I, I prefer a midwife. I don't like unassisted births. That's what the difference is. A home birth with a midwife or a home birth unassisted. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe you don't, but now you do. Okay, so... Um, so giving, I'm going to just reread that. Giving birth at home means you are with a midwife and you have known for the past nine months. See, a lot of OBGs know their patients, you know, for the once a month visits, but then they're not even there for the birth. So they have, ugh, there's so much wrong with hospital births. I can just, over the 15 years, I've, I've even had more of a stance against this, especially after having two home births now. Last one, I was 43 years old. And they try to tell people my age, you're geriatric. Come on. We're not geriatric. We, our body, Sarah had birth at 90 with no hospital, no doctor. Okay. Rachel had twins. No. Yeah. Is that Rachel? Anyways, let's not, I don't want to mess up the Bible right now, but she had twins and she didn't need, she didn't need doctors. You know what I mean? So anyways, here we go. Um, back to the book. Giving birth at home means, I've read this three times already, but we're going to go again. Maybe we needed to hear this three times to get it in our brains. Giving birth at home means you are with a midwife you have known for the past nine months in your family, your music, your pace, your time. Chances of major surgery is slim to none. The scenario is much different and it's what I wanted to choose for my birth story so the journey began. The more research, the more I researched, the more I could, couldn't believe what this country what happens in this country when it comes to childbirth? I found it terrifying. Patterns everywhere I looked. A 2007 nationwide study shows that one in every three mothers now gives birth by C-section, which is a record level for the United States. It gets worse. An estimated 2 million babies die within their first 24 hours each year worldwide. Of that, the United States has a second worst newborn mortality rate in the developed world. What? Why are American babies three times more likely to die their first month than children born in Japan? And why is a newborn mortality 2.5 times higher in the United States than Finland, Iceland, or Norway? You guys, this was in 2008 when I wrote this book, okay? So I haven't looked at the stats in 2022. Levita takes, and that's spelled L-A-T-V-I-A, so Latvita, 
takes first place over the USA in our high mortality rate of babies and mothers. Where's La Vida, everyone asks? It's located at a strategic crossroad between Russia and Europe. La Vida was angst by the Soviet Union in 1940 as a result of a secret pact between Hitler and Stalin, and it was welcomed back to the international community when it regained independence in August of 1991. La Vida is currently rated bottom of the industrialized nations like Hungary. The late, great USA is right behind a country that became independent in the 90s for killing babies and mothers during birth. This is a huge red flag to me, especially when the United States has more neo, neonatal knowledgeists, did I say that right? Neonatal knowledgeists and neo-intensive care beds per person than Australia, Canada, and the United Kingdom. And still, our newborn death rate is higher than any of those countries. I had so many questions now. Why do highly developed countries have much lower death rates than the U.S.? Why does the U.S. have the second worst newborn and mater maternal death rate in the developed world? If we know so much more about birth than we did before, then why are C-section rates going up? And why every day across America are mothers being cut open, having their major, major organs displaced and their babies pulled out? Why, if you give birth in a hospital, will things not go as planned? And why should a woman, young and perfectly capable of giving birth naturally, be told time after time that she can't do it? The answers to all those questions is a very simple one. We as a society are brainwashed and not educated in how to give birth. We, the people, let bad things happen due to pure ignorance and lack of education. Society is past due for a change of view. All right, so that is chapter two, and we'll finish this episode with chapter three. What happened to home birth in the U.S.? The older I get, the more I started to question things I've been taught my whole life, like beer is safe, but weed will make you do acid. And hospitals and doctors are always there to help. Society is so easy to brainwash if media is constantly in our face. <laughs> Man. So this was 2007, no, it was 2008, nine, when I wrote this book. I never saw 22, two, 2020, 2022 coming, like never. So yeah, it's true. It, you put things in people's face and they are brainwashed. What I love about my generation is we are starting to think again and not trust or he, all we hear. Growing up, my dad always told me, believe half of what you see and nothing of what you hear and you'll be fine. I seek to find truth on all issues of my life. When I want to know something, I will research the piss out of it, pros and cons, and make an informed choice that I want to do with my life, from my makeup to childbirth to immunizations. You should see the flack I get for not giving my child the flu shot or a shot for chicken pox that I know won't kill her, but it could. As most of us parents are brainwashed to think our children are safer coming into this world in a profit-oriented hospital setting. Well, it's time to think again. Birth is as safe as life gets. Almost all studies conducted in the obstetrical, uh, sorry guys, obstetrical world have been proven home birth to be safe, if not safer than hospital birth. Interesting, yet still, in the year 2011, the majority of us think home birth is just for hippies. So I guess I was writing this in 2011. So my daughter must have been two, three. <laughs> that makes sense. Because she kicked the computer over when she was three. I was typing outside and then it broke and I could never get this book off the hard drive again. And I almost 
you know, this could have just been staying on my shelf for the rest of my life, but I'm glad I decided to put this into my podcast because it's fun to reread it and I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, okay, so it's interesting yet still in the year 2011, the majority of us think home birth is just for the hippies. Do your own study. Start asking people you know most of all birth stories of your peers and you will have your jaw on the floor. Their stories are horrific, terrifying struggles between life and death and huge bills to follow. The woman is left helpless, sad, terrified, and sometimes dead. The baby lands in intensive care for his first few weeks and sometimes permanently disabled. Unless you have insurance, you will pay a price of a new car to have this horrific experience. No matter how the baby comes out, it will be your story and you will have to live with the outcome, not the nurses or the doctors. I understand I will probably never get all women to give birth in the sanity of their own homes rather than a hospital bed, but I hope after reading all of this book, you will know how to stand up for yourself and the most and most important, your baby. It is only then things will have to change in hospitals. I truly think we can change the assembly line of birth with a little 411 information. Society in general has been taught to fear birth. Even when birth was mainly in the home, many women feared birth because the church had drilled into their heads that birthing would bring them to near death. And you should probably make peace with God before labor started. Now, you should always pray, but that's just a crazy, you know, fear is such a liar and our mind has so much power. And I believe I did do a, a chapter about the power of our mind in this book. And if not, we'll go over that at the end of all this. But it said, and we're on the last part of this uh, chapter. <sighs> this media did nothing to help women see birth as a natural process that functions beautifully. Now drugs and fear have made things spiral out of control and we have real reasons to fear labor, labor and delivery. The sorry birth rates and statistics in the U.S. didn't happen overnight. It took a hundred years and with legions of willing women giving our lives over to hospitals and surgeons for a normal birth. With all the unnecessary death and injury hospital birth has created over time and all the negative stories that follow, the effect is a tidal wave of enormous fear when giving birth. It has worked out in the favor for hospitals. Instead of returning birth back to where it went wrong, women keep going back for more torture, fear, and death. Before physicians entered the field of birth and since the beginning of human existence, women have had babies with the help and support of other women in their communities. Mainly midwives, they were women who had experience in dealing with birth. Childbirth in hospitals did not become mainstream in hospitals until the last half of the 1800s. And when it did, money gave doctors a massive motive to eliminate the midwife necessary during birth. This is how fast things changed for birth in the U.S. In the early 1900s, 95% of birth was at home. By 1938, with a ton of slander and ads with high society, started going to OBGYNs. Half, half of all births were in the home. By the 1940, the standard was set, hospital birth being thought to be ideal. Even though midwives had tools, women were told the hospital and doctors had all the tools, meaning harmful drugs. Handily available, which midwives did not have. By the 1955 to currently birth in our own home has been less than 1% and thought as what hippies do. So forever, women were giving birth just fine at home, and then in 1955, we decided not to do that anymore. Why? What changed? By our own nation's statistics, back in the 1900s, only 5% of women needed a hospital birth. 
When midwives controlled the majority of birth using doctors only with complicated births, cesareans were only done to save the life of a baby during or after its mother's death. Doctors in a, sh in a short few years convinced people to think that those who had degrees could improve upon the natural design of birth. A birthday, as we know, it begins. All right, so I will start chapter four in the next episode. Uh, it's called Strange, Th Strange Things in Strange Places. Thanks again for listening to chapters one, two, and three of my book, Home Birth. It's not just for hippies. It's for the informed.